In a recent survey, um, over three-quarters of Americans say that they believe in miracles. And uh, I was a little surprised by that because often when you talk about God performing miracles, you, I often sense this, people are often skeptical of that. Like, oh, really? Is that really a miracle? Uh, so I was a little bit surprised by that. And of good reason, too. There's, you know, there's many fakers out there uh, because miracles draw a crowd, right? Miracles uh, if, will, will get people to give you money. And so there's lots of false prophets. There's a lot of fakers who will make miracles happen to, to draw a crowd. Um, but that doesn't mean that God is not still doing uh, miracles because he is. And we can't let those who sort of fake things to take away from the fact that miracles are when God transcends the natural order of things with his supernatural presence. And so when the supernatural God enters into a situation, supernatural things happen. And so the spirit works miracles. He works miracles. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And this is a part of a larger sermon series on the Holy Spirit. And it's important because especially today as we talk about miracles and as you even sing about miracles, a lot of the important principles we've already covered, like that the, the Holy Spirit's not just a power. He's a person. He's God. Uh, we talked about the already and not yet so that uh, God still works miracles because already the Spirit is indwelling us and working. The, the end times power is working in our lives now. The resurrection of Jesus has kicked off the last days. All of that. But sin, uh, suffering has not yet fully been done away with. So we still deal with suffering. So it's not that every time we need a miracle or ask for a miracle, it happens. No, we're not yet in that time. And so all of these principles are important, and we've covered them the last few weeks. And we've talked about how we desire to fulfill that command to be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit empowers us and gives us gifts to advance God's plan. And one of those gifts that God gives to advance His plan is the gift of miracles. Last week, we looked at 1 Corinthians 12, uh, and we're going to go back to that scripture uh, where the Apostle Paul, he describes the Spirit gifting different people in different ways. But now let's return to chapter 12, but go to the end, because in the end of the chapter 12, Paul lists miracles as one of those manifestations of the Spirit for the common good, one of those gifts that he gives to advance his plan. So let's look in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. All right, let's unpack this a little bit. Because what's interesting, if you notice, he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Now, that might throw us off a bit because we're like, wait a minute. 
The gifts of the Spirit are manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. So if the Spirit shows up and therefore he gives gifts and works through us, like that's all great, right? Any manifestation of the Spirit is all wonderful and, and, and valuable, and that's true. And so, but in context, what Paul is saying, why he's assigning certain gifts as higher is, and, and hopefully you did your homework from last week. What did I say, right? Read 1 Corinthians 12 all the way through 14. Does anyone get a gold sticker? Mm. Mm -mm. Got to do your homework. Um, but if you read all of 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, you'll see that in context, what Paul is talking about is the, seek the gifts that build up the body. That every spiritual gift is a manifestation of the Spirit, but seek those gifts that build up other people. So that's what he's talking about is as uh, higher. That's why when he talks about tongues without interpretation, he's like, that builds up the person, and that's great for the person, but it doesn't build up the body. No, seek those gifts that build up the body. What's also probably why you notice in his listing here, he says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles. Now, often if we were sort of making a list of, of gifts that we thought were the the bomb or, you know, like the greatest, we'd be like, yeah, miracles, first miracles, right? Because those are showstoppers. Apostle Paul lists them after apostles, prophets, teachers. One of the reasons is that miracles in and of themselves do not produce saving faith because you could, uh, you could assign that miracle to some other God, to whatever, and faith in the Bible is not just believing that God exists. Faith in the Bible is trusting that God is God. He is my God. I will follow him. I will trust him with my life. And you can see a miracle and say, oh, yeah, I guess God exists, but that doesn't mean you trust in him. So that's why when Paul is listing the gifts, he's saying, yeah, miracles, they're a gift, but they need to be interpreted. And if they, if they bring us closer to God and the presence of the Spirit and trusting in the, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, well, then that's good. But in and of themselves, they don't produce saving faith. Because God's plan, as I mentioned earlier, his plan for the world is to reconcile his people to himself for eternity so that we will spend eternity in God's presence. So if there's someone here and you need healing, and let's say the Spirit works through somebody here, will lay hands on you, and you are healed, and some of you have experienced that, you're still going to die. You're still going to stand before Jesus. Do you have eternal life? See, that's why we say that God's spiritual death to life, that's his plan. And so miracles, they need to push us towards reconciliation with God, forever reconciliation with God. Doesn't do us any good if, wow, I'm living five more years if in eternity we're still separated from God. That's why, again, when, whereas when Paul's listing the gifts, I think it might surprise us that miracles is not at the top. But now we, we, we can see why. Also, another thing I want to point out about our scripture, verses 29 through 30, where Paul asks, are all apostles or are all prophets? I think in this case, the ESV, I don't think is the best translation because in the Greek, it assumes a negative answer. So a better translation, which I think NIV and stuff does, is not all are apostles, are they? Not all um, are workers of miracles, are they? Not all speak in tongues, do they? 
Because it assumes a negative answer that no, not every, when the Spirit will manifest himself in every Christian, but he will manifest himself in different ways and give different gifts so that we need one another. So, yeah, so although you may not lay your hands on someone, pray for them, and they're miraculously healed, somebody, that, that's going to happen somewhere, someplace, in some person in our church body. So these things happen in the whole church body, even if they don't just happen through you. That's why some will be teachers, but not all will be teachers. Some will work miracles, but not all. Some will speak in tongues, but not all. You see, the Spirit gives gifts just as he will. And so we expect them, we should expect them, expect miracles and all sorts of gifts to take place in the church body as a whole, And if they don't happen through me in particular, well, that's why I have the church body. That's why I have you, so that that you will work that miracle, so that you will give that teaching or that word. It's all about lifting up Jesus and building one another up. But then there's that question, all right, though, do miracles still really happen? Well, again, in this passage that I just read, And in many others in the scriptures, the Bible assumes, yes, miracles will still happen. And it even assumes that because the Spirit has been poured out onto all of God's children, miracles and all the gifts of the Spirit are going to happen all over the world. He assumes that. But also that not only is the biblical testimony that we should expect God to continue to do his work, the spirit continue to empower and give all of these gifts to, his, to the church body, but human testimony also. is There's plenty of people that say, yeah, miracles are still at work today because I've experienced one. Um, the, uh, Craig Keener wrote a book, put up that book, uh, yeah, called Miracles Today. And this is a great book, and in it, he catalogs different miracles that he has either experienced or he has had reported to him. And what's interesting is this book is an abridgment. So Craig Keene is a great scholar. He wrote in a 1,000-page scholarly work where he catalogs different miracles that have happened throughout the world and he, with scientific backing and all this. Well, this is the abridged version, so it's only like 500 pages or something. But it's just testimony after testimony of miracles that have happened. And it's, it's just, so, so the, the biblical testimony is, yeah, miracles still happen. Expect them, right? Seek, seek God to work in this way. And the testimony of so many throughout the world is, well, yeah, God still works miracles because I experienced them. So how do we define a miracle? Because we throw that word around a lot, uh, and people mean different things. I like this definition. Again, Craig Keener um, shares this in his book. He says, the definition of a miracle is a divine action that transcends the ordinary course of nature and so generates awe. All right, now we could unpack that. I love that definition. We could unpack it and talk about each section, but that'd be boring. Uh, But let's just look at that. So a divine action that transcends the ordinary course of nature and so generates awe. We see in the Bible, there's lots of miracles that fit this description. There's, There's healings, all sorts of people being healed of all sorts of ailments, but the miraculous is not just confined to healings. 
right? It's a divine action that transcends the ordinary course of nature. So the ordinary course of nature is you're sick, and yeah, eventually you might get well, but certain sicknesses, you're probably stuck with them until you're dead. Well, in the Bible, there's many times where people come, those sicknesses, they're, they're, they're removed, right? It's a miracle. But it's not just healings. Uh, there's also miraculous provision of food. Chrissy mentioned the, the, the multiplication of the loaves and, and the fish. There's a miraculous provision of escape where God empowers this person and that they should be caught. The natural order of things should be that this person, he's done. But no, God is, causes them to escape. Weather miracles, walking on water, stilling the storms. All of these kinds of biblical examples of God, a divine action, God transcending the ordinary course of nature, and then people are in awe. Wow, God is at work. And then many also report those type of miracles even today. Um, I asked Bev Henneman if I could share this story. She said, yes, so I'm going to share it with you. Uh, in our growth group, Bev's in our growth group, and one of the great things about a growth group is that you can share all the testimonies. And Chrissy mentioned, oh, but there's all sorts of testimonies here today, and there are, because I've heard many of you give these testimonies. And Bev was telling me about how many years ago, uh, her first husband, I think, had colitis, had a really severe intestinal issue that caused him so much pain and, and so much discomfort. And she was at a prayer meeting and he came with her, right? And he was a kind of a skeptical guy. He didn't, he didn't really mm, put too much stock in all of this God stuff, all this healing stuff. Um, but as they were praying for him, he felt this heat come over him and he was healed. He was totally healed. And he goes to the doctor. The doctor gives him all this examination and says, I don't know what's going on, but you, you don't have this anymore. And the thing is, is it caused awe in that uh, her, her husband like, didn't really believe before that. But then after that, he was in such awe of God that he says, yes, like, I want to follow him. It changed his life. So that's just one example. And I'm sure I would share more uh, details on that. Of, of God still working, God still doing those things that the ordinary course of nature is transcended by his presence. And again, that's one of the great things about having uh, growth groups, small groups, is we can share these things uh, openly. And there's so many more examples. But, and not all miracles are healings, as the, but as the definition suggests, it's God transcending uh, the normal order of things. And so, Maybe we're here today, and I'll bet a lot of us may be thinking, hey, you know, could I get one of those? You know, miracles, yeah, could, could I get one? Would anyone here like a miracle in their life today? <laughs> yeah, right? Everyone's like, yeah, I, I, could, I could use one of those. Well, how? How, how, do, we, how do we get that? And, and I think this is important, and this is why all the other sermons were, were also important in building. And even that song we sang, you know, I believe for it. So like, all right, is it more, is it about my faith? But you got to listen to the rest of the song. It talks about, no, no, it's about God. It's about what he does. So if you only listen to one lyric of the song, you might get skewed and be like, okay, so do I just, you know, name it, claim it, believe for it, and then it happens? No, no, we trust in God. We trust in what God is going to do. But because we trust him so much, there's always hope that there's not, you, you know, there's, we're never at a time where God can't miraculously intervene in a situation. So how? How do we do that? How do we get one of those? <laughs> one of those miracles? Well, the first, and we touched on this before, seek the person, not the power. 
right? Seek the person, not the power, because there's, yes, there's power in the name, but that doesn't mean the name Jesus is some sort of uh, magic word. It means when the name of someone in the Bible is someone's reputation. It's when it's who they are. It's what they've done. It encapsulates all of their person and all of their work. And so when you believe in the name of Jesus, what you're doing is you're believing in what he has done. When you say there's power in his name, we're saying that there is power in what Jesus has done. We're saying there's power that he is the son of God and that he died for our sins and that he rose from the dead. And because of that, he gives us his spirit and the spirit works in that same resurrection power that worked in Jesus. It's bleeding back into our world now. So that even now, as the spirit shows up in our lives and we step into the supernatural and we step into seeking to know God, to know Jesus more, and we draw close to him, then we draw close to the supernatural, and the supernatural things start to happen. So it's we seek the person, not the power. And it's not a formula. It's not sort of magic. It's a relationship. So it's not, all right, say these right words or, no, believe these right thoughts, and then I can get God to do what I want him to do. Now, that's magical thinking. That treats God like a power to be manipulated and not a person to love and to submit to. Because that's what we're about. That's we seek more to love more. I said that last week. It means we seek more of God's work in our life. We seek more of God's miraculous power because we love him. We want more of him in our life. And we want to love others more. So that we know if God's working enough, if his power is in us, then we can love other people more than we can on our own. That we can speak a word of life into their, into their lives when they're downtrodden. That, yeah, sometimes we can pray and there's, there's healings and, and miraculous things. But whatever we're doing, we seek more of God in our life, the person of the Holy Spirit, so that we can love him more and love others more. That's got to be our motivation. So, yes, if we're seeking the miraculous, like, yeah, I'd like a miracle because we want the show, because, uh, you know, we want to be lifted up. No, that's not the right motivation. The first is we seek the person, not the power. Second thing is prayer is crucial. It is crucial. And, And I know a lot of times when you say, oh, you need to pray, people start tuning out because you think, and I think, I do this too, oh, I know about prayer already. I know prayer is important. But for all of those who just raised their hands, yeah, I'd love a miracle in my life. Well, the key to that is prayer. Prayer brings us closer to God. It brings us in line with his will. It builds our relationship with him so that as we're walking with him in his supernatural presence, just it transcends the natural order of things. But that, that, that trust happens with prayer. That it's, and all the prayers in the Bible, it talks about moving mountains, right? We sang a little bit that. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed, and it'll be removed. All of those promises, that are, that, uh, they're based on the assumption that you are walking in God's will. So 1 John talks about if you ask anything in according to God's will, it is done. And that's the key. And that's what prayer is. See, too many times we think prayer is, all right, I'm going to give my list to God. Yeah, God, I want this miracle. Oh, 
oh, and over here, I'd like that miracle. And, oh, could you, could you provide in this way? Prayer is not simply giving a laundry list to God. Prayer is drawing close to God. It's getting to know God and being aligned with his will so that when God says, I'm about to do this, you say, can I get on board? Because when we're on board with God's will, it will happen, even if it seems impossible. But it's not about us giving our laundry list to God and saying, all right, God, make that happen. It's saying, God, what is your list? I want to help you make it happen. I want you to use me. Even though I, don't, I know you don't need me, I want to be a part of this miraculous thing that you're doing. That's why prayer is crucial. And when I say that, if you think, oh, prayer is crucial, but I've been praying for this for so long, this miracle. Understand, prayer is more than just asking for stuff. It is getting in line with God and knowing him intimately so that when he calls us to do that, which is impossible, we still step out in faith knowing, well, no, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen, even though I don't understand how it's going to happen because he can do the miraculous things. Prayer is key. Scripture constantly talks about prayer being key. For instance, James chapter 5, verse 14. This is what James says. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So even there, this idea of prayer is not just giving your laundry list of sins. Prayer is connecting with God. And when we draw close to God, we see, oh God, I'm asking you to do the miraculous, but I realize that that I've sinned, that I don't always do what you call me to do. And so to be in God's presence is to see um, our own sin more. And so we confess that. That only happens if we're drawing close to God for real. And that's, they assume that. So yeah, you're praying for somebody, you're praying for healing, and then people start repenting and asking for, you know, uh, claiming God's forgiveness because of Jesus Christ and all sorts of stuff, praise going on. But then look at this. It says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So Elijah, he's a prophet of the Old Testament who did, you know, obviously it mentions a few things here. Amazing miracles were, were, were happened through Elijah. But the point here that James is making is, but he was a man with the same nature as us. So that we often will look at someone who God does miracles through them and we'll lift them up and say, man, that guy is amazing, such and such. But I can't do that or whatever. But no, you can't. But neither could Elijah. God did it through Elijah. So it's God's power. And that's why he says prayer. Prayer unlocks this. Elijah was a man of prayer. He sat in that cave and he prayed for hours and hours. He didn't just name it and claim it. No, he said, God, what are you doing? Because whatever you're doing, I want to be a part of it. And, and he says, you know what? I'm going to bring a drought because I want Israel to come to repentance. So proclaim, Elijah, that there will not be rain. And he heard it from God and then he said it. He didn't just come up with it. This wasn't Elijah. This was God working through Elijah. So pray for the miraculous. But it's not magic, right? It's that relationship. It's responding to God. Another example is a time when... The disciples, Jesus went away for a little bit. Somebody brings 
their child to, in Mark chapter 9, verse 28 and 29, they bring their child to, uh, to the disciples and say, he's got a demon, can you heal him? And they couldn't. And then Jesus comes and casts the demon out like nothing. And then verse 28 of Matthew chapter 9 says, and when uh, he had entered the house, so this is after, after action report, right? His disciples ask him privately, why could we not cast it out? And now our answer might just be, well, because they're not Jesus or they don't have enough power. But look at what Jesus, his answer is. He says, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. But prayer. See, so many times when we talk about miracles, you know, we don't realize it's about prayer. Jesus holds prayer up as, no, that's the key. Because in prayer, we're drawing close to God. The spirit, we, we draw close to him. And then we're just, we're in line with God as he does what he does. And that is, he transcends the natural order of things. And that's what prayer does. But again, if we're thinking of prayer as just as, oh, well, it's just telling God what I want to do. Then yeah, that's why we don't get it. That's why we're like, yeah, prayer, I've already asked God to do this. So... I'm done, right? Oh, not, it's drawing close to God. So the takeaway application here is you want miracles. Like we all raised our hand. I could use a miracle in my life. Well, then you need to pray. You need to get close to the spirit because he is the one who has the power, not you. See, we want the excitement. We, but will we put in the work to build a closeness to God? Um. As an illustration, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the trick shot people. I can't remember their name. But, like, they will stand at one side of the football field, and they'll, like, throw a basketball and, like, get it into the basket. Or they'll t- there'll be a basketball, and they'll bounce it off the wall, like, really far, and it'll get it into the basket. These, usually these clips go viral. And I would show you one, but then usually Facebook will, like, flag us, and then our, we won't go online anymore because, like, oh, this is copyrighted. Um, that's why I'm not showing a clip. But, but basically, yeah, they're these trick shot artists. And there's, like, a five-minute video, and you see them chuck the ball, and it goes in. And everyone's excited, like, wow, that's amazing. And everyone's all pumped about it because it's cool. Like, how did they hit that shot? Like, that's almost impossible. Well, what you don't see is the hours of preparation and practice beforehand where, yeah, they set up the shot. They have to set things up and say, is this, you know, how can we do this? And then they practice it time and time again. They film it time and time again until they actually capture the shot where it finally goes in. Sometimes, yeah, it's at the, at the you know, 50th shot. Other times, it's like at the 200th. And you don't see that. You don't see the work that they put in. And I feel like many times, that's how we want miracles to be like. We're like, yeah, I want, I want, to, I want to hit that shot. But will we do the work? The work behind the scenes of constantly praying and getting ourselves in line with God's will so that the impossible becomes possible because in, with God's presence comes his supernatural transcending of the natural order. So many might be saying, all right, I'm with you, okay? Prayer, I gotta be about that. But then there's many who you've, you've prayed much, uh, you've 
asked for God for a miracle, and it, it hadn't happened. And you wonder why. Or why doesn't God do more miracles? We all know tragedies that have happened. We all have prayed for, for healings. And in our minds, we're like, yeah, I don't understand why God wouldn't heal. But again, this is where we have to draw close to God, where our trust has to be in God and in his spirit. Even We trust him more than we even trust our own minds to, to discern like what is even needed here. We also have to understand that God, um, his miracles serve the purpose of advancing his kingdom. The spirit has a purpose and a plan behind the miraculous. And that oftentimes miracles break out when God is advancing his um, kingdom into new areas. And in fact, uh, we shouldn't be surprised then when we read the book of Exodus and the waters are parted, there's plagues, there's all sorts of miraculous things because God, there's a turning point in salvation history. He's bringing his people from slavery in Egypt, bringing them to a new land, and he's going with them in his supernatural presence, supernatural things break out. With Jesus, we shouldn't be surprised that when uh, God in the flesh is moving about and saying, my, your, my kingdom is here, that with his presence, supernatural things break out. But so, too, that principle applies today in that, uh, yes, God can do whatever he wants at whatever time he wants, but he's most likely to be working in a powerful way when his plan is being advanced into new areas. Problem is, is we don't often work in that kind of scenario. We want God to work in our situation, but not think, well, well is, what about God's plan of bringing uh, that miraculous death-to-life message of the gospel to new lands. And indeed, we, we see that often in new work areas, areas that haven't seen the gospel, miracles often break out. Paul, the Apostle Paul experienced that too. In Romans what is it, uh, 15, 18 through 19, this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says that miracles helped him advance the gospel. He says, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Elycrium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. So the Apostle Paul, miracles were happening in his ministry as he's bringing the, the eternity-changing message of the gospel to people, where they would say, ah, oh, is he just a babbler talking about new gods, whatever, I don't have to listen to him. But then a miracle would break out. They're like, okay, all right, I'll listen, I'll listen. That's often when miracles break out in new work areas even more so that, again, the message of God, that life-changing message that Jesus died for our sins, he rose from the dead to bring eternal life, eternal reconciliation between God and people Miracles break out as God is breaking out into new areas. But again, miracles in and of themselves are insufficient to produce a saving faith. And that's where the message of Jesus comes. That's where the message of Jesus comes in. Now, time is escaping me because I really would like to uh, talk about that already not yet principle of the, the Spirit is already... Um, 
indwelling us. We talked about this. The promise of Pentecost is already not yet. That with the promise of Pentecost, the, the, the age, the last days of the Spirit in salvation have begun. So that the Spirit is indwelling all of God's people. And already the powers of the age to come are breaking out in our life. So that the sick are healed. That the dead do rise. But the full and final ending of sin, sickness, and suffering has not yet come. So that sometimes uh, we pray for a miracle and it, it doesn't happen. Or there's still suffering. Because that's the world we live in. It's already not yet. Already we have salvation through Jesus Christ, but he has not yet established his kingdom fully and finally. He is establishing it now, but it's not fully and finally established. Not yet, but it will be. And sometimes we get into error because we think it's already, all of it's already. Where Well, because Jesus has already died and the kingdom is already available, then uh, every time I pray, there. Should, it should be answered. Every time that there's sickness, it should be healed. It's always God's will to heal. And the thing is, is there's a truth in that, in that Jesus died for our sins to bring eternal healing and full healing. But that, that time has not yet come where all sickness is done away with. See, there's that already not yet um, tension in the Scripture so that as we pray, as we draw near to God, we can expect the supernatural to happen. But we ultimately know that it's up to him. It's up to his will of what, uh, of, of what miracle will break out when. And it takes God's prerogative to ourselves when we think, oh no, God, you said you would heal you know, um, on the cross forever, so therefore do it now. Like, do it now. No, God will heal, but he will heal according to his plan and purposes. And sometimes there's not yet. And then finally, God also works not just in miracles. He also works with this thing called providence. Right? Now, providence is not just a city in Rhode Island. You're thinking, I've been to providence. It's not that great. Um, the river walk's nice. The little fire thing, that's nice. Um, you know, providence is where God, you know, the miracle is, is God transcending the natural order of things to inspire awe. Providence is God working in natural things. So he's created the natural order. So God can transcend the natural order and do the miraculous, or he can work in the natural order that he's created. God has put into this world certain cause and effect laws. And he can use and work in those laws just like he can transcend those laws. It's up to him. And that's why we say, is it miracles or medicine? We say both. Both are available to God's people. And God uses both. And we thank him for both. Just like I said, we need, um, we need to interpret miracles, right? Otherwise, they're not saving it of themselves. We have to interpret them. Say, are they from God? And this caused me to trust God more. Just like we also need to interpret the regular mundane things of the world so that if someone, one person goes through cancer treatments and becomes well, another goes through and they die. No, it, it's not. It, it, we still say, all right, God, you're at work in this. And I don't understand why you do a miracle here and not here. I don't understand why you use medicine here or here, but I do understand that it, you're the ones that, at work. And we thank him. We thank him whether he heals through miracles or through medicine. 
Because God is the Lord of both, of both, whether it's through his providence or whether it's through miracles. And we have to remember that because sometimes God answers our prayer through natural means. And let's face it, sometimes we're disappointed. Or we say, man, I really wish God would have done a miracle. That would have been better. That would have been cooler. Are we after the show or are we after closeness with God? And if God decides to, to, to answer our prayer through medicine, then hallelujah for that. And it's biblical. Um, the Bible sees both miracles and medicines as blessings from God. Uh, Paul told Timothy um, to take a bit of wine for his stomach and frequent illnesses in 1 Timothy 5.23. So that scripture, there's many more. That, that short scripture tells us a couple things. It's not all right, I need to hit the sauce. No, that's not what it means. Uh, one thing is that when he says, take that, that, that first of all, well, Paul seemed fine with people not being healed. I mean, he prayed for people, he healed people, but yet he didn't say, Timothy, you know, be well in the name of Jesus, name it, claim it, you're fine. No, Timothy, his trusted friend, continued to deal with illness. Paul didn't heal him. But also, he said, take a little bit of wine. Take natural means to help your stomach. Take the medicine. So, Scripture says that both are available. So, while miracles might not happen every time that we ask or want, the Spirit still works miracles. And we can still ask for miracles. We can still seek and expect God to work in a powerful way. But again, are we? Are, are, are we going to seek more of the Spirit? Are we going to seek more of stepping into the supernatural realities of God and say, God, if I am in your presence, then the supernatural is going to happen. It's going to happen, and I'm expecting it to happen. I'm not, I'm not claiming it to happen. I'm not demanding it to happen, but I know that God, when I'm in your will and I'm in your goodness, that the miraculous breaks out all around. But will we do the work? Will we do that work? And it says it's not, it's not based on our work. And when I say work, what do I mean? I mean that work of saying, God, I'm going to draw close to you. So don't say, I want a miracle. So you were here and said, I want a miracle. And then in your life, you never go to God in prayer, except for what we do on Sundays then I'm going to say, if a miracle happens, you probably won't even recognize it. We need to draw close to God. And so as we sing this last song, I, I invite you to seek God in his presence and be open for what he's going to do in your life. There's some of you, yes, you want a miracle and pray, pray for it. We can ask good things from God, but if he gives us his spirit and shows up with his supernatural power, we don't get healed in the way we want, but we experience God's redemption and his presence. Well, hallelujah for that. And more importantly, if you're here and you're like, I'd like to be healed, but you haven't been reconciled to God, all the miracles point to God's work on the cross. And they point to Jesus returning and fully and finally establishing his kingdom. And so if you're healed and now you can walk, but yet when you stand before God, he will say, be away from me. What good is that? Seek eternal life. 
in, um, take God up on his offer of eternal life through Jesus and then just see what happens. See what other miraculous things will bust out in your life. But it's all based on what Jesus did. Do the work of getting more into Jesus' work and see what he does. Let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, we do open ourselves up to what you want to do in us and through us. Lord, we repent of the ways where we have sought our own will. We've sought power. We've sought miracles. Lord, just for us, or novelty, for excitement. But Lord, as we sing this last song, we sing it as a proclamation that we want to draw close to you. And Lord, we pray that we would boldly ask for you to work in our lives in whatever way that you see fit. We just want more of you, more of you in our, our lives, knowing that the miraculous can bust out. Lord, do that work in us now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.